0: In the podcast, it's all about relationships and how important it is to have friends, close family. We're not meant to live alone. We talk about that next with my guest, Jonathan Yates, author, speaker, relationship expert. uh, Next on the podcast,
1: let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, my name is Joe Foley. I'm a dad and a parent. You know what? I am just like you. Busy, busy, busy person. I really want to say thank you for being here. And if this is your first time, welcome, welcome to the podcast. I know our time's limited. So thank you. I really do appreciate listening. I'm just like you, and this is a journey trying to figure out what, what it's like to be a better parent, better self, better whatever, because at the end of the day, it really does matter. Next up, my guest, John the Yetz, relationship expert therapist, talking about trying to make friends as an adult and a way to connect with people. Sometimes it's an adult, you know, it's kind of awkward. You know, you be like, hey, buddy, how are you? What's up? How are things going? You ask personal questions, they might think you're prying or kind of awkward. You know, it's also adults who lose that um, personal connection. Because we're so busy. Everybody's busy. Nobody has time to talk. Nobody. Ta- All we do is text. <laughs> no personal relationships. And that's important. Also, how about better communication with a significant other, like spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend? Relationships can be difficult and also be great too. It just takes work. Um, I understand because I I've been through divorce, I can understand the other side of it too. Greatest thing, relationship, the greatest things that happen to us because they're important. Jonathan has some useful tips to improve our relationships and have better understanding how important
1: they are to you. Welcome to the podcast, Jonathan.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
1: I'm just curious. You know, how, you know, I want to start off with something interesting. How important is relationships?
2: Oh my God. Relationships are just, they are of uh, the utmost importance to people in their lives. I mean, if you, if anyone really takes a moment and really thinks about anything that's actually really important to them, it usually comes from somewhere. And that usually comes from a relationship it could be with our parents or loved ones, but it, it usually stems from somewhere. So they're very important.
1: What kind of relationships are there? There's, I mean, there's work relationships. What other kind of relationships are there?
2: So what I like to classify them in is uh, I like to use what I call the concentric circle model, which is that if you were to put yourself and uh, for people at home or uh, people want to go along with this, if you take yourself and you draw yourself as a stick figure and you put concentric circles around you, you'll find that there is an inner circle. These are usually your loved ones, people who you really connect with, right? Because as many people could testify, sometimes our loved ones aren't the people we're closest with. So it may not even be blood, but they're our inner circle. Then outside we have friends and they are, you know, people who are still close to us, but maybe not like the people we tell every little detail about our lives to. And then outside of that is acquaintances. And then even outside of that is strangers. And I like to use that model because it gives people the opportunity to kind of flow with where their relationships are in their actual lives instead of just saying, oh, it's work or it's uh, home or it's my kids. It, It gives them the opportunity to kind of pick and choose.
1: Well, it's interesting. I noticed kids, like I watch my son, he's six and he could play. They all, they play like friends are like, Hey, let's, let's go play this or that. And as we get older, I noticed as people get older, I mean myself too. And it's kind of hard to, I don't know, like create those personal relationships or we lose some of them too, as you grow older.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, if you really think about it, uh, you know, especially when we're young, we have a lot of relationships and then as responsibilities and life sort of catches up to us, we, kind of distance ourselves from people and it, it these rifts start to build. And so oftentimes, especially when we're older, it's up to us if we are going to go out and get those relationships. There's a, a great quote that says, if it's to be, it's up to me. And that's very true for relationships too. Well,
1: <laughs> well it's funny sometimes because you know you're like, hey, hey buddy, how you doing? What's a sports game? And you don't want to creep the person out because you <laughs> just want to be friends with them, but they, they look like you like you're kind of strange. And how can somebody like I don't know, like what's a, a weird way of being strange.
2: Okay. So a way to kind of start that relationship off is what I would say is look at what you guys have in common. So as you said, you know, you're watching a sports game or maybe you're at uh, one of your kids recitals or this is somewhere else where you may encounter people. You do have at least one thing in common, and that is the object of the thing you're doing, you're doing together. They're not there in a vacuum. They're there for a specific reason. And so if you engage with them from that starting point, oftentimes that can lead into other topics. And this can be a really great way. It's uh, something that I call the shy person testing ground, which is that if you really have a worry about it, go to a place where you're not going to be recognized and give it a shot. Engage with people about an interest that you share. Could be, you know, uh, the show you're watching. It could be the uh, sports event that you're at. But usually there's some tie. And if we just look for it, usually it works pretty well.
1: That's interesting. that's interesting, yeah, I mean think about that for a second, but another thing I was um interesting too a little bit more about you, how did you get involved in being a relationship expert and and the therapist because that well obviously to go together, but how did you get involved in doing something like that?
2: Well, so for me, uh, a lot of my relationship experience comes from my own experience. So uh, when I went, I, you know, I dated in high school and college and afterwards, and I found that a lot of the things that I was seeing time and time again were actually uh, experiences that if shared can actually help other people. Um, And when I was young, I used to have all these people come and ask me, you know, how do I fix this? How do I do that? I remember being in third grade and having my (laughs) teacher come to me and say, So I'm having trouble with my relationship and I'm like, I don't, really know how to answer this question, but I'm going to do the best I can. So uh, That's how I really got into it. And then what I found is that the more that I practiced and the more that I developed myself in my own relationships, the more applicable I could find those lessons for other people and help them to overcome the obstacles that they found in their own relationships, whether it be romantic or friendship or even just coworkers. Uh, and so that's kind of how I got into it and, and really um, pursued it from there.
1: Well, what, What's the difference between a therapist and a relationship expert? Because you see those out there, like relationship experts, therapists. What's the difference?
2: So in my mind, right, a therapist, a therapist is someone who goes and, you know, uh, they'll, you know, you'll come in, you'll see them and they'll ask you how you feel. They'll delve into your emotions. They'll get you to a place where you can have a better understanding of yourself at times. And oftentimes this is done with uh, mirroring, which is when, you know, someone comes in and says, Hey, you know, I feel this way. And they go, well, how does that make you feel right? Tell me how that comes across for you. And for me, what I found is that in the work that I do is that sometimes it's not as important as what Freud or Jung said. It's actually more important to what you, the therapist, the relationship coach, the life coach says. because. In that moment, that person's in a vulnerable space. What they're looking for is they're looking for someone to be on their team, not just to hear what they have to say. And so by working together on whether it be your relationships or uh, your abundance, whether it be, you know, just how you feel about yourself, I find that it's far more effective if you actually get your kind of, uh, you know, join hands and sort of a, a team mentality instead of just the therapist and the client. And that's why I got into relationship coaching because that's one of the most vulnerable places where we are. It's saying something about something I love isn't working. And instead of saying, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's like, all right, Let's look at that. Let's delve deep. And then let's figure out what we want to do about it together as a team.
1: What is, what is one way, like any, like any, like, you know, one or two or three ways to express self, maybe build a better relationship.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. So, the best way to build a relationship, whether it be your, with your significant other or a friend, is for one, is to be vulnerable with each other. And I know oftentimes, especially for both men and women, that can be tough. And so what I would do is use what I call a, a TSA of trust, which is when someone comes into your life, you can you don't have to just immediately jump to trusting them implicitly. What you can do is actually work towards trusting each other together harmoniously. And if something comes up, guess what? If uh, someone comes into an airport and, you know, people are suspicious or, you know, security thinks there's something going on, guess what? That person gets taken out of the airport. And if your trust and in a fundamental sort of heartfelt, close to the heart trusting is something that is, let's say, the goal of having a relationship with someone, then guess what? If I am uh, coming into your life and I prove to you through all of the security, through the ticketing counter, through uh, the luggage and baggage check that I am a trustworthy person, then guess what? That means that you can trust me. And at the end of the day, that means I can be vulnerable and share my experience with you. So that's the first thing that I would say. The second thing that I would say is Allow yourself to express your emotions completely.
1: Some people have a hard time expressing their uh, emotions um, freely. Mm -hmm. And how can somebody learn to be better at it?
2: Okay. That's an excellent question. So if you think about emotion, right? Before we even had language, there was emotions, right? People got angry. People got sad. People got upset if our uh, If our mammoth died, guess what we were pissed about it. we were upset and sad, we cried, we yelled, we screamed, and it 's still true now. in fact, those emotions are equally as important as the happy ones because if you think about it, oftentimes uh, people will come in into my office and they 'll say that they feel like they're going numb. the truth is, is that what's really happening is they're trying only to look at what is light and good and feels positive. When in reality, there's so much negative upset, worries, angers built up over the years that at the end of the day, they're starting to feel numb because they're not dealing with the dark. And so they can't have and enjoy the light stuff in the same way. You don't have to have explosive, angry outbursts or be a client, uh, you know, crying ball on the floor but if you can find a way to actually get to those emotions in a healthy, accessible way, you can actually do a lot of good and you can rebalance yourself. So uh, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, I have two great genres of movies that I love. I absolutely lo- love romance, and I love horror.
1: Well, that's two opposite ends of the spectrum, right there.
2: <laughs> exactly. And when they do it together, it's absolutely beautiful, but it's very rare. (laughs) But the truth is, is that if I can go and watch, you know, something really scary, right? A horror movie. And I get kind of that feeling, you know, that tightness, that tension, and I'm able to let it go. Well, part of that is triggering my fear response. Part of that is triggering my anxiety. And what I'm learning to do is to let it go. Right? It might also give me a chance for me to express my anger as that stupid teenager turns around and walks backwards right into the killer. You know, you're like, oh, what's wrong with you? You know, why are you doing that? And so it allows me to express myself. Another way to express myself would be if I'm really angry to go and take a baseball bat and hit my bed, make sure it's empty, of course, but let it out because then what happens is uh, you will reduce your emotional spark. Which in my mind is like, um, if you think about any time you've ever been angry or sad, when that emotion comes up, you feel the heat of it. You feel the intensity of it. And by letting go of that, you can actually bring yourself ba-
1: back to balance. But isn't it hard to let it go of that, though? Some people, I mean, beating up a, like a punching bag or a heavy bag, but sometimes people have a hard time letting go of that anger. They hold grudges. Can that be bad for a person over time?
2: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. If you think about uh, a grudge that you've held for a really long time, something to consider is this. If you really look at it, that person and that event is living inside you rent-free. It's basically dictating how you think and feel. Uh, a great example, especially in relationships, is this. For many of us, we've had heartbreak. We've had upsets. We've had times when people have really hurt us emotionally and Oftentimes at those moments, we decide, you know what, I'm never going to let this happen to me again. I'm never going to be this vulnerable or open up this much. And so the next time I get into a relationship, I'm actually not seeing the person in front of me for who they really are because my view is colored by the experiences of my past And so therefore, it has a huge impact on who I date, how the relationship goes, and oftentimes how it ends. Many people come to see me and they said, I've been dating the same girl or the same guy in a different body because we look for it, we pick for it. And because we're still dealing with and haven't let go of that upset, it still lives with us. And so we choose for it.
1: So never take care of your past then, in other words, never dealing with the past and never... Finally put the clothes in the door, in other words, I think.
2: Right. If you can find a way to deal with the past, and and you know, this is not to say that there aren't horrible things that have happened to some of us, but what I tell my clients and the people who come see me and, and the people that I run seminars for is I say this, is that that person doesn't deserve the right to determine who you are, what you get to do, and ultimately the relationships you get to have. And so let them go. They aren't worth holding on to. At the end of your life, you're not going to be like, man, I am so glad that I hated that person for 90 years. No, you're going to be like, man, I'm so glad I let that go. Because then once I did, I was able to see, where, uh, see and uncover the things that were holding me back, let them go. And I was able to find something that made me happy and focus on my happiness instead of focusing on all of my pain.
1: You know, it's interesting, too. And, I, and we talked about this before. I think you mentioned in a, an email before the interview. Well, you don't have to be a Superman to be a Superman. I mean, I love comic books, especially DC. I like Batman Superman. Uh-huh. And, I, and and every man wants to be a Superman. We want, we want to be like the guy who, who handles everything. We don't we don't uh-huh. feel no pain. We don't cry. And that's not true. We feel pain and we do cry. Yeah. But how do, how do some people deal with that? How do? How some people deal with that, not be a a macho man, how to be more expressive of their feelings so they can have better relations, especially with their spouses or their girlfriends or boyfriends. Yeah.
2: So, so part of that, right? So if you look at the, the macho man, all right, the, someone who's like putting on airs or posturing, oftentimes that's there again to avoid getting hurt right? To be able to keep the, uh, the piece of ourselves that is vulnerable and keep it hidden away. And so part of it is, is for the person. So whether it be a man or even a woman, cause I've even encountered women who have done the same thing, right? They're so strong and so driven because of all of the experiences they've had that sometimes they find it very difficult to open up to others. And part of it, is recognizing your weaknesses to become, to come to a place of acceptance with a weakness. You know, you, you brought up uh, DC comics It a great, uh, a great example of that is Superman, right? Superman is someone who before, you know, when he was first created could sneeze and blow galaxies away, right? He was so strong and yet he has a weakness. He has kryptonite and that kryptonite can really weaken him. Now, if Superman were to look at that and go, I have no weaknesses, I am totally fine, I'm totally great, nothing can ever hurt me, guess what? He does have a weakness, but by him not acknowledging it, he does himself no favors because when lo and behold, Lex Luthor or someone else shows up with kryptonite, he's going to be you know, out of luck because he didn't accept the weakness and thus didn't prepare for them. In the same way, if we can look at it and go, you know what, with your spouse or significant other, you know, I realize that a moment ago when I was really upset, and it, it may be more than a moment, right? You may need to go let your emotional spark off, you know, stomp and go out to the car and yell and then come back. But I realized a moment ago that I was yelling and screaming and getting upset because I had a real worry about Looking weak and being wrong because in my life, being wrong is a weakness and I don't like feeling that way, but I took it out on you because I would rather implode my relationship or I would rather lash out at people who are close to me, people who I love and trust. Because it's safer that way. I know that they're going to be there. The Truth is, they may not be right. They Mm -hmm. may be like, you know what, I'm done. But if you can acknowledge it, then guess what? You can meet in the middle. Then they know two things. They know one, what the trigger is. And that can be so useful it's like, okay, I know that if I say X to you, you're going to fly into an upset because of pain that you have. So maybe I won't talk to you in X. I'll talk to you in Y. I'll adapt. I'll be strong where you're weak and you'll be strong where I'm weak. And create a relationship of partners, not of just... People who love each other because love isn't enough.
1: No, it takes a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, you always you always said that relationships, like since um, like um, it always called like you said arguments, and and that person do they find another way to talk to that person besides it's an important topic, say finances, and the other person gets upset every time they talk about money, but the person's not doing anything wrong. They just want to talk about it. And how does somebody approach like a problem like finance, like because the other person snap and go crazy? Right.
2: Okay. So if you take the idea of finances, right, or any other big major topic that might come up, if let's say I bring it up to you and I notice in you that there's an upset, right? Or if I notice within myself, there's an upset, then the thing to do would be to look at it. It doesn't have to be necessarily right then, but clearly I hit a nerve, and to explore that, not just alone, but together, because the truth is, is that let's say you bring up finances and I lash out at you. Well, guess what? One, it may not have been something that was you meant to have happened, but it did happen. And so instead of just delving into it myself and learning more about myself, I can learn together with each other. The next thing that I would do once we are able to have a good, honest, open communication with one another is to look at what's a different way that we could approach this that would work for this person. And by finding out how that person listens, how that person learns, they are able or you would be able to approach them from a way that they'll be able to hear you. As a therapist and life coach and as someone who works with people a lot, that is one of the biggest tools that I use because if I don't know how to connect with you and I stick with my way of being, right? I I stick with that finances need to be this way. And guess what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to invalidate your emotions, your pain, your past, and then what's going to happen? There's going to be a rift. And that rift just going to get bigger the more we talk
1: about it. Farther the way, push each other farther away from each other. And then finally snap it, snap the relationship, break the relationship. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And, and what is it really? It's not even about the other person. Sure, they brought up finance, but finance in the person who got upset was linked to something else, was linked to a time or a weakness or a perceived notion about what finances mean. And therefore, again, they weren't necessarily dealing with their spouse. At that moment, in that upset, they were dealing more with what was showing up, right, Mm -hmm. within themselves than with the actual relationship. And that's where it can be really dangerous because then what happens is we start to live in what I call an alternate pain reality, one where where we look around, what we see is the pain of our pasts, and we see uh, validation for it, we see evidence for it, and we see places where we might get hurt again. So we then go to keeping ourselves safe, and that means lashing out.
1: That's not good. That's not a good thing at all. No talk more about the new book. I mean, it's a book coming I'm not published yet or coming out. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to me, the interactive guide for living your best life. What is that book about?
2: So talk to me is, a, is a book that I'm currently writing. Uh, and basically what it is, is throughout my years as a therapist and a life coach, uh, in going back even to high school, cause that was when I started to first write this book. Uh, it's been a long while, but It's because what I've done is I've gone and I've taken the questions that people have asked me and I've written them down, but I wrote them down in a different way, which is through the idea of humor and stories and also interactive ways for the person reading it to actually engage and work on themselves. So it isn't just a mental exercise. Right? If you look at other books, and this is not in any way to you know trash on other books, but if you look at a lot of books, a lot of people read them and go, that's a great idea. But oftentimes what's missing is, okay, here's step one, here's step two, here's the next thing that we can do to strengthen you in your relationship or in any other place in your life. And yeah, so that, that's for me, a big place of why I start to write the book is because so often It's like you know what this this point is not something that you alone you you know my client or the person who's talking to me this is not the you're not the only person who's going through this and what if I could help more people by putting the things that I'm telling individuals into a book to help others as well?
1: Well, it's good to have some tools. I mean, good because you know sometimes a, a book and it's hard. Sometimes people have a hard time taking that stuff out of the book and use it in real life and being an extra inter- interactive guy like that sounds a really, really good idea. Yeah.
2: and uh, Thank you. <laughs> and it's so important, you know, uh, as a therapist, right? So, you know, my background's in therapy. And one of the things that I love the most is giving people actual tools that they can use. To me, it's not enough to just ask them, how do they feel? Right. It's like, You know, I I had someone come in and uh, I I said to them, you know, I'm not, I I will ask how you feel, but I'm going to ask so much more than that because at the end of the day, you know how you feel. You feel awful. And that's why you're here. Right? If you just come in and tell me you feel awful and I go, hmm, yes, you feel awful. (laughs) Well, then I don't feel like I've done my job. But if I can go, okay. Tell me more about your life. Tell me more about what's going on. And let's craft a tool, something that you can use to help you live the happiest, healthiest, best version of your life.
1: Wrapping up final thoughts and anything you can leave with um, about relationships and how to uh, maybe a, a couple of tips and how to make a good relationship.
2: Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So the first thing that I would say is it is equally important to communicate, but it is Even more important to listen. Oftentimes, the relationships that come into my office that I find is that the biggest problem is that people aren't really listening. And so listen and validate, especially for men, but sometimes for women, too. We go immediately to trying to fix. We go in and say, oh, okay, well, you know, this thing's happening, so I'm going to do this. And it's like, no, sometimes what we need to do is be a listener, someone who's there for them. Because in all honesty, and this goes to my second point, which is you need to allow other people to grow and show their strengths. So when you listen and validate and then you allow them to fix their own problems, you can be an excellent support for that. But at the same time, by allowing them to grow and work their emotional muscle, work their uh, confrontational muscle, you're actually doing them a huge favor because then down the line, they'll be able to do it themselves. So whether it's for your children, for your uh, partner, for your coworkers, allowing them to struggle a bit with your support can be hugely impactful. And the final thing that I would say would be this is that while it's so important to recognize your weaknesses, it's also important to accept the weaknesses of yourself and others. The last thing I'll say about that is by accepting others, what you can do is build a relationship built on truth and on reality instead of the version of the person we think they are. Because sometimes those versions aren't the same.
1: Okay. Well. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Well, where they can connect with you? Um, the one they want to can touch. You ask any seminars, any questions. Yeah. Where they can touch with you.
2: Uh, so, you can get in touch with me. I have a website. So, my website is jonathanyatsky.com. And that's my personal website. You can find out all the information about me and about what I do. Uh, I also, like I said uh, during uh, just a couple moments ago, is that I run seminars. So, I run a weekend long seminar called The Course. And you can find that at unlockingme.com. And if you go there and you uh, put in your email, uh, we will actually give out free stuff to all the listeners who, who come in uh, as, and these will be free tips so that you can go and start to use. It's an excerpt from my book that you can start to use immediately. Um, and that's a workshop where we take these tools, like the ones we were just talking about, and it's a whole weekend workshop and it's amazing to see what people can do with them.
1: Well, all links to be in the show notes. Uh, thank you, Jonathan, be on the podcast. This evening. I really do appreciate it. And, um, Thank you, sir. Yes,
2: yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Wrapping up, I want to say thanks to Jonathan Yates for being a guest in the podcast. You can find more about him over at jonathanyates.com. You can find links to the show notes over at no sitting on the seven zero. Please reach out and leave a comment if you have any questions. Please leave the in the comments show notes. We can discuss more about relationships. You can find all about my contact information over at no sitting on the sideline.com slash contact. Hey, also, if you have a second, please go to Facebook. I know I'm asking a lot for you today, but please head over to Facebook and hit, hit like on the, um the podcast, no sitting on the sideline, dad podcast, Facebook page, And know, we can continue conversation about friends, relationships, and we'll just say hello. I guess right. my final thought for me is in this all what relationships are. Important to everyone. Important to me. I'm mean, I actually a little bit because I'm going. I went through a divorce and feeling isolated and lonely. Thank God I had friends who cared. It helped out a lot because it was a tough time. Relationships matter. You matter. I matter. Our spouse matter. Everybody matters. Relationships are important. Until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. <clears throat> how much you love him. And thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. See ya.
1: Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media.